right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the How to Health podcast. My name is Katie Rines, your registered dietitian, and Dr. Lori Marvis here. And we are so excited to be interviewing the incredible Brandilyn Timo. How are you, Brandy? I'm awesome. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. So Brandy is incredible. She is an amazing life coach who hosts retreats for women called The Shift Retreats, where she really helps to transform women into becoming the incredible beings that they are trying to be and really break through barriers in their life and just, you know, transform them to achieve whatever goals that they may have. And she's also a one-on-one life coach and really is does some amazing things for people. So I'm excited to have her on here to help you, amazing listener, to overcome whatever it is that you might be dealing with. And um, we do also have health professionals and more medical people on here that uh, may take some of your advice into their practice. Wow, so I'm so excited to have you. And um, for my first question, I, as a dietitian, I work with a lot of clients who they know how to eat healthily, but for some reason, they're just kind of self-sabotaging themselves. And I'm curious what advice you might have for us as health professionals or for somebody listening who can relate to that. So somebody who cares about their health, but self-sabotages by doing unhealthy behaviors. Right, right. Yeah, yeah totally. So I think when that happens when there's somebody who actually really genuinely does care about their health and yet is consistently making choices that go against their health. Really all that needs to happen is a perspective shift on why we care about our health. I think especially for women in society, we've been taught that we need to care about our health so that we can look a certain way. And our weight is really connected to health. And everyone tells us that you have to be ultra thin in order to be considered healthy. So that adulterates our concept of health because we're no longer focused on how to honor our bodies and treat them well and give them what they need. But instead we're focused on making our bodies look a certain way. So then us being committed to our health, I think we sense it. Like it feels inauthentic. It doesn't feel good. It feels like, oh, okay, I guess I have to count my calories for today because I'm supposed to monitor what my body looks like. And I think that's why people self-sabotage because somewhere within them, they know that that's not really true to them. And that's not really what it looks like to honor our health. So I think the shift that needs to happen is having our choices that we make regarding our health come from inspiration rather than from shame. (laughs) And I I think, yeah, I think that whenever we're, doing something that goes against our health, we're actually fighting with ourselves. We're fighting with our bodies. We're against ourselves. And that doesn't feel good naturally. That resistance is a strain. So that comes from when we're trying to fix our bodies or change how we look or how we are because we think that we have to be a certain way. And that doesn't really work. What does work is being authentically committed to health and thinking about why that inspires us. Like, why be committed to health? Because you want to have a lot of energy, because you want to be able to give back to others, because you want to be a contribution, because you want to feel good, because you want to live a long life, because you want to be happy. When you remind yourself of all of those reasons, then it can come from inspiration and it's a lot more natural and easy to be committed to your health. 
Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. Yes, 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 to everything you said. It's so true. We really need to say, why is it important? Yeah, to be healthy instead of feeling like, oh, I guess I have to do this. Oh, that's such a great message. And with that, how do you, how do you instill that inspiration in people? Is it really just, um, I feel that there's, there's some clients uh, that I have personally who definitely have some uh, things to work on as far as their blood work but they don't seem to think it's that important. Hmm. Have any advice to instill importance in people? Yeah, it really is just telling a different story about it. Like if I I believe that if somebody isn't eating healthy or isn't honoring their bodies, it's just because they're telling themselves a disempowering story about it. Like it feels like something that they have to do and there's that resistance there. So I just need to create a different context for it, tell a different story about it. Find something that does really matter to you. Like if getting your blood work up isn't intrinsically inspiring to you, then find something else that is. Like, what do you care about? Do you have a dog that you really love and care about and you want to eat better so that you're going to be around for that dog? Do you like have a passion project that you care about? Like, what is it that you really care about? And how can you tell yourself a story about how you improving your blood work is actually in service of that thing? And then ground yourself in that intention. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, next question I have for you is um, people tend to use food to cope with situations and as a sense of uh, comfort in their lives. And um, do you have any, as far as um, common patterns that you see with food relationships, whether it's with disordered eating patterns <clears throat> Um, that you can help people to break free of numbing themselves from their reality? Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is, there is a lot here. Let's see. Um, so first of all, I think one of the reasons why people use food to numb out um, is because we've been trained to not think of our bodies as a safe space to be. So a lot of us, like we go through life and something traumatic happens to us, especially to our bodies. And when that happens, we decide that our bodies are no longer safe. And so we start living in our heads, which I mean, we all experience this on some level in terms of like being checked out, being in our heads, being unable to be really present in life. And some of that comes from escaping our bodies and putting attention on I mean the only thing we have is attention it's wherever we're putting our attention in any moment so if we've learned that our bodies aren't a really safe place to be then we'll live in our heads and I think because we're so checked out of our bodies that's why it's easy for us to abuse them because we're not there our attention isn't there it's like we're numb to what's actually happening in our bodies we're not in tune with them so we can't really make good choices for our bodies because we're not present to them. We're not really like in touch with them. So I think that's why it's easy to, uh, numb out and abuse our bodies. Um, so, and the practice to kind of counteract that is to intentionally, and I do this like so many times a day, if I'm in my car or brushing my teeth or falling asleep to go to bed, I'll do a body scan where I just like feel every part of my body and really like what's happening there. And it just opens up that link of communication between me and my body. And that's something that I really had to reestablish because I was one of those people that was totally out of touch with 
my body. Um, yeah. And then, so, well, is this answering your question or do you want to, is there something more specific? Yeah. I feel like, um, I know you are really, really good with changing people's mindset from, um, say taking where you, where you are and like your mindset around food and, um, difficult situations and making it more of like a positive, um, you know, just seeing your life in a different way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So actually something that I, I do with, um, some of my clients that come to me that complain about this sort of thing, like I'm numb to my body. I do things that abuse it. I don't want to do that is the first step is to really take away the shame from it. So if you were feeling really stressed out the night before and you baked yourself a cake and ate it, what's natural and what's the like default response is to be ashamed and say, that was wrong, I shouldn't have done that, and then to want to compensate for that. And to numb the guilt to say, okay, well now I'm just going to go to the gym for three hours tomorrow and I'm going to make up for it. But that starts this cycle of like pinging back and forth between like doing something that abuses our bodies and then compensating and then doing something that abuses our bodies and compensating. Um, so the way to interrupt that cycle is to get rid of the shame. The shame is really the thing that keeps the cycle in place. So what I remind my clients is that, hey, if you used food as a numbing tool, that's not inherently bad. You're not a bad person for doing that. In fact, there was something that you were committed to in that moment that had you do that. You were committed to feeling good. You were committed to not being stressed out in that moment. In a way, you were honoring yourself because you were giving yourself something that you knew would help what you were dealing with. That's not inherently bad. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. And you say that you're committed to your health. You don't have to be committed to your health. There are many people who aren't and that's okay. People can choose for themselves. There's no should, but you are because you say that you're committed to your health. So in the moment that you catch yourself eating the whole cake, don't say there's something wrong and I'm a bad person just check in with yourself and see if there's another choice that you want to make in order to honor your commitment to your health. And that's not the right answer, but that might be something that inspires you to choose differently in that moment. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Oh man. As far as, yeah, anything else um, with, okay, actually I'm going to ask you, what is the toughest case of a, of a situation scenario of a person who, maybe they had a lot of trauma in their lives and they were just like not willing to open up about it or something. What's the toughest situation that uh, you really feel like you help somebody? I'd love to hear a story of how you craft into someone and was able to transform them. Yeah. Oh man. Toughest. Hmm. See, yeah, it's interesting because I don't really see any of them as tough because all it is is getting people connected to what they care about and helping them make choices from that place. I do work with a lot of people that have eating disorders or body image issues. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes it's, like, easier to help somebody transform who recognizes that they have an eating disorder than it is to help someone who's just like, 
no, of course I'm upset with my weight. Of course I'm upset with my body. Of course I'm ashamed of my body and don't even recognize that as abnormal, which I think is so much of our society. It's harder to break through to that person. Um, I, when I'm working with people with these eating disorders and body image issues, I really don't take a traditional route at all. My way to help them through it is to have them take a hundred percent responsibility for it. So I think it can be really easy to be the victim of societal standards and to say, well, it's not me that has this prejudice against weight. That's not me. That's society. I just happen to live in this society. So therefore I'm the victim of it. And there was one client in particular who was really, really unwilling to see the prejudice within herself. So I believe that anytime we have an eating disorder or a body image issue, we have taken on that societal prejudice. And therefore we are being prejudiced. We are being discriminatory, even if it's just towards ourselves. Whenever we're ashamed of our bodies, we're discriminating against ourselves. We're discriminating against a certain body type. And whether it's towards ourselves or towards another, it's still the same thing. It still is being prejudiced, being judgmental, being discriminatory. So some people get that right away. And they're like, oh, wow, well, that's not who I want to be. I'm not a prejudiced, judgmental person. Okay. <clears throat> I want to be compassionate. I want to be accepting. I want to be forgiving. But some people, it's hard to have them see that because they're like, no, 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 that's not me. I'm not being prejudiced. Not at all. No, I love everybody. I accept everybody, no matter what their body type. I just hate my own body. I'm just ashamed of my own body. And it's having them make that connection between, no, there's no difference between you being judgmental and prejudiced of your own body and that of someone else's. It's the same thing. You're still being that way. And that's not true for you. That's not who you want to be. So stop being this person that you don't want to be. Cut it out. And sometimes it's hard to <laughs> get people to see that. But eventually I think everyone does because we all just want to love, I think. That's all we really want at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. 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 Thank you. I really like that. Oh, you have such good little, you know, tidbits of how to really, it's awesome. Um, another question that I have for you is people who, like you said, they don't take responsibility. And, um, a lot of the time people will say, well, you know, my husband, I'm cooking for blah, blah, blah. And they put it outside of themselves to please other people. Um, what advice might you have for someone like that? Um, do you mean like somebody who says they can't eat healthy because their husband doesn't want to or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, even deeper than that, like I've had clients who they say, oh, you know, I can't lose weight because I might have confidence to break up with my boyfriend or whatever it is. You know, it's pretty crazy. Do you have any uh, comments on that? Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting when we get down to like the real reason behind things because there's like this illusion that it's for one reason. And then at the end of the day, it turns out that it's totally something else. So, um, can you ask the question again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering like what, how, um, how to get people to, um, really focus on like instead of trying to please other people or what what kind of conversations should they be having um with those around them to um 
shift the relationships in their lives okay. or to, yeah, or to really prioritize themselves and uh, break free from unhealthy relationships. Totally. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So a couple things. First of all, for some reason, a lot of people have this conception that caring for themselves is selfish. Like if I'm focused on my health and my well-being and how I feel, then that's selfish and I don't deserve to put my focus there rather than on other people. So again, it's a, a reframing of that. To care about our bodies, to give ourselves the time that we need to move our bodies in the ways that feel good and to cook for ourselves and to really eat healthy foods and to really like honor our health, that's the least selfish thing in the world that you can do. Because the more that we care for ourselves, the more our cup runneth over so that we can give back to others. And I think that true health means the ability to forget about your body. You know, you know that something's working when you don't have to pay attention to it. It's like you don't normally notice that your ears are working. Right. But if your ears are ringing, then you know that they're not working because you have to pay attention to it. So I think the goal of health is to be able to nourish our bodies in such a way that most of the time we don't really have to tend to them and then we're free to go create whatever we want to create in the world. You know, the basic like human needs are met and then we can go create. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that getting over that idea that caring for ourselves is selfish and making it about others, saying, no, I care a super lot for my health so that I can be there for others. Mm -hmm. yeah cool cool um yeah that's so true I feel like definitely a lot of people are always concerned about other people and they forget to take care of themselves and yeah it's the most generous thing we can do is to take care of ourselves that's so that's a cool way yeah. to look at it um how how would you suggest doctors talk to their patients about um issues as far as um Sorry, one second. <laughs> How do you think doctors should talk to their patients about like weight issues and food issues? Um, and like food addiction. Do you have any uh, suggestions about that? Yeah. Well, I think it's such... Um, I think that most like traditional doctors tend to be very reductionary with health. Like, oh, you weigh this amount and therefore you're unhealthy. And I don't think it works like that. I think that it's very nebulous and that one person's unhealthy weight at the same height could be somebody else's perfect weight at that height. So I think that it requires a much more holistic approach of, you know, what's, what's going on in your life? Are there ways that you can decrease your stress levels? Um, how are you looking at food? Do you, you know, are you, are you educated enough on the way that food interacts with your body and your energy levels and your hormones? So I think that a lot more education needs to happen because what's happening right now is just, they look at a number and they say, that's wrong. So now fix it. And then we end up doing things that are even worse for our health to fix it. 
So I think it needs to come from a much more holistic approach and there needs to be more education and we need to understand how every single area of life interacts with our health and health isn't this like isolated thing that doesn't have to do with every other area. Right. Right. Awesome. Um, um, hang on one second. <laughs> okay. So as a doctor, how would you suggest um, patients help their doctors learn? Like you have such a, a, to be so young and so, I would say an old soul. I love listening to you. You've been fantastic. How would you help the patient say, well, how can I help my doctor learn in a non, like, you don't know what you're talking about doctor, but I'm going to tell you, but how would you suggest they go about um, helping their doctors learn? Because there's some resistance and I, you know, I think it's when they come from a place of love, it certainly helps. But how would you suggest doing that? Totally. Well, I mean, maybe this is a lot to ask of people, but I think that the best way that we can help doctors learn is by doing the holistic approach ourselves and then showing them that it works. You know, I have a a friend who had this really chronic illness that the doctor said that he might die from and we're going to put him on all these medications and gave him this really awful prognosis. And instead he went home and read a bunch of books and researched and then went vegan and totally reversed it. And then he went back to his doctor's and is was this, like, hello, I'm cured. Look at me. Is this Aaron? Yes. <laughs> Aaron exactly. with ulcerative colitis. I want to get him on here. <laughs> you have to. Um, but then the doctors are like, well, what did you do? What medications did you take? What did you do? And he's like, uh, plants. <laughs> I ate plants for a long time and now I'm better. So I think that the uh, whole medical industry has, has been just so entrenched in this very limited view of how things are. And they're very convinced of that. And if you come in as a patient who doesn't have a medical degree and you're trying to school your doctor, of course, they're going to think like, okay, you voodoo witchcraft, crazy person, like leave my office. But if you take your health into your own hands and then you share that with them and there's actual proof, then I think that's how the tides change. And we start to awaken people too. And there's been so many stories of doctors like that who went into the medical profession and were very much like seeing things a certain way. And then their patients changed their minds on things because they saw what they thought was impossible right in front of their eyes. I love that. Oh, thank you. That was good. That was really, really good. Cool. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you're excited about? Like, um, any recent Insta coaching that, um, you want to add or that you feel is really powerful to you Mm. in your life right now? Hmm. (sighs) A lot actually. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'm going to start doing three minute how to coaching videos. It's like every topic under the sun in three minutes, I'm going to have a timer and you're going to get all the yes. on that topic in three minutes. Um, and then I'm releasing a book, which you know about, and I'm also going to start doing a podcast on that book and that's called the achievement trap. And I think it fits in really nicely into the topics that we've been talking about today, what the achievement trap is, is when we get so focused on 
proving ourselves to others and on getting external validation that we lose sight of what we actually care about. And we're disconnected to our hearts. And all we're trying to do is, do you think I'm good enough? Do you think I'm good enough? Do you think I'm good enough? And we get caught up in these goals that aren't really true to us, like getting stuck trying to make more money or get promoted in a job that we don't really care about or lose weight superficially or um, get a certain number of followers. There are these like external goals that we stress about pointlessly. And when we're focused on producing that external result rather than on how we're being and how we feel in our lives, then we go through life totally numb and life becomes devoid of meaning because we're just chasing these pointless, like numerical goals. So the achievement trap is on really diving into that and understanding why we do that and how it comes from the past and past rejections and past traumas and past experiences of abandonment where we end up feeling like we're not good enough. Um, And so it's on how to heal that so that we're free to actually follow our hearts. And then how to do that, like how to actually follow your heart. So that's what the book is on. And that's what the podcast is going to be on. And I'm really excited about helping connect people to what they truly want and helping them get away all of the shoulds and have tos that they've been living their life for. Yes, that's amazing. I absolutely love that. I'm sure so many people can relate to that too. And Brandy, your YouTube is so, so full of really, really powerful, helpful content. And I definitely will be linking that and everybody should check that out. And um, I think this will be the last question. What is it that you wish people would ask you more about that uh, most people don't really get to hear from you? Mm. Or if there's anything you'd like to share that, uh, yeah, most people don't really know about yourself or that you wish people could. About me? About me personally? Um, Sure. Let's, let's ask. Okay, how about let's break this up into two questions. What is it that um, you think is important that you wish people would ask you more about as far as like how to help themselves? And then after that, I'd love to hear, yeah, about you personally. Yeah, well, so for the first one, this kind of goes back to a question that you asked earlier that I don't think I really answered when you were talking about, well, what about people who say, well, I don't want to lose weight because then if I do, then I might have to break up with that person or I might have to take that chance that is really scary. And one of the like topics that I get most fired up about and most passionate about when I'm talking to my clients is when they realize that they almost intentionally are doing something counterproductive in an area of life to serve as an excuse for not having to go after it. And I really like break down insecurities when I work with people. We're often like the victim of our insecurities and we're like, oh, what was me? I just feel so ashamed about this thing in my life. But what we don't realize is that insecurity serves as our excuse for why we don't have to go after what we really want to go after. And we think that we have to fix that insecurity before we're free to pursue that dream or take that risk or take that leap of faith. But really the insecurity is just a total cop-out. It's just our excuse that we blame so that we don't have to do the thing that we really deep down want to do because we're afraid that if that thing doesn't work out, then we're going to be a failure. 
But what we're missing is that it doesn't matter if it works out. All that matters is that we take the risk. That's where the growth is. The growth opportunity is in going after what you want and being unattached to the outcome, going after it just for the sole purpose of pursuing your heart and following your inspiration and not caring if you win at it, not caring if you look good, not caring if you get sufficient validation for it, just caring that you're doing something that honors who you really are. So I invite everyone to like look at some insecurity that you have, some thing that you don't think that you're good enough at and ask yourself, okay, what is that a cop out for? What is that? Let me avoid responsibility for responsibility for what does that allow me to avoid? You know, if you think that you're not funny enough, does that allow you to avoid having to really vulnerably connect with other people? Or if you're insecure that you're not thin enough, is that just a cop out that allows you to not really have to go after creating that relationship that you want and taking responsibility for that? So I just invite everybody to take a peek at what's underneath those insecurities and what they're using it to justify avoiding. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Oh man, I thank you. Thank you. And then, yeah, you personally, yeah. Tell me about yourself and something that most people don't know um, about the Brandolin Tebow. Huh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, this is probably something that you'll relate to. I just noticed yesterday because I was doing a, a brainstorm session around my, uh, how I want my YouTube videos to go. And we were talking about, um, like what personality traits I want to consistently embody on those YouTube videos. And what kept coming up for me was silly. I was like, I just want to be silly. And then my friend is like, that's really interesting because you're very much not silly on any of your videos. And she was like, and I know that you're silly because I know you as a person, but it's like you are pretending to not be silly. And she was like, I wonder what that's about. And I'm sure you can really identify. With yes, that. definitely people look at us and they're like, oh, you're so young. So therefore you must not be actually good at what you do. So I overcompensate by trying to be really serious and professional a lot of the time. And that's not what I really want. I want to like sing songs and dance around and write transformational raps and make jokes with people and like be a total goofball that rolls around on the floor. But a lot of times I like thwart that to try to fit into this box of what I think I should be. And I think that's what a lot of people don't know about me. In thank the you. Yeah. Oh, I love, thank you, Randy. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Oh, man. Okay. So I'm going to acknowledge you for a second here. You are a plant-based, so well-balanced. You have a great relationship, friend life, business life. You take care of yourself. Oh, my gosh. You are such an inspiration to so many people. And everybody on here, I hope you lasted the whole thing because I'm going to be chefing at your retreats. And, and the one that I know that I'm definitely going to be at is in August in California. So if you'd like to be transformed by both of us, I'll be providing the plant-based medicinal food and um, teaching some yoga. And Brandy's going to be providing the shifting, some serious deep inner work exercises, no matter what you're dealing with, whether it's serious trauma or abuse or whatever. I've seen some miracles happen working with Brandy at her retreats here. So um, I'll put the links to that in the description. And... um, Wow. Thank you so much. Um, last question to wrap everything up. Finally, finally, (laughs) um, 
what is something that you enjoy doing for your health? For my health? Yeah. Dance parties. (laughs) Yes. Yes, random dance parties. That's the best. I think those are probably about the healthiest thing that I do, and I need to do more of them. Um, Yeah, allowing allowing myself to do things that feel good just for the sake of, like, it moves energy and it makes me happy. Yeah. Cool. Oh, thank you so much, Brandy. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll wrap it up, everyone. Here's, here's Thanks, Brandy. You're amazing. I can't wait to meet you in person. Oh, me too. Thank you guys so much. You're awesome. <laughs> Such a privilege. All right. Uh, have okay. a wonderful, healthy life, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Bye. Here. Bye. Just hit-